when bad things are happening, let me show you the great God that we have is in the midst of those things. There is not one person here today that is not dealing with some sort of headache or another. It's just life. I hate it, but it is life. And we face all sorts of problems on a continuous basis. And sometimes it appears that God is blessing and prospering all the people that are not living right. And, and, and God steps over the ones that are living right. And, and we touched on a lot of that last week. In this passage, David was facing a hard time. But we're not reading about the hard time that he's facing. We're reading about his expression to God. In Psalms, he just sat down and he wrote praises to God. He wrote down his frustrations. He wrote down his prayers. He wrote down songs. He, wrote, he just was just letting it go to God of what was going on in his life. I'm going to tell you something about David. And this is one thing that we have to remember when we're studying scripture. David was just a man like you and I are. David had no halo. He didn't have a glow about him. He didn't walk around with, a, with angels backing him off like we, all these pictures that you see. David was just a guy. So what I'm about to read to you, you're going to get discouraged and think, wait a minute. No man after God's own heart that followed after God and wrote all these scriptures should ever write this. He was being honest with God with what he's about to say. And what's wrong with us a lot of times is you're not willing to be honest with God. When you're down and you're discouraged and you're frustrated, there is nothing wrong with you telling God what's on your heart. You know why? Because he already knows what you're thinking. He already heard you grumble. He already heard you complain to your wife or your husband. He already knows about you getting mad and throwing that in your bedroom. He already saw all that. So you're not doing God any good by trying to hide all that when, you, when you're praying to God. David is facing a difficult time. In 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18, it lays out the story of Absalom trying to take over. His son is trying to take him over his kingdom, running him out. David literally left in fear for his own life. I'm not saying that he had a bad day. He is running for his life. We can read in the story in Samuel and look at what was going on, but we can see his heart in Psalms. The book of Psalms is where he poured out his heart. He just let it go before God. So we're going to read Psalms chapter 3. Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there are be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousand of people that have set themselves against round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, and hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know why you scheduled this outpouring of snow on this day at this time. But Lord, I know that you had a reason. Lord, I know that there are some people here that would have loved to have been here this morning, but just were unable. And I know, Lord, that there are people that are here this morning that probably debated on whether they should come or not. Lord, you know that I had a totally different message that I had laid out and practiced and planned for today. But Lord, you changed all of that. And I don't know why. 
But Lord, I do know that you make no mistakes. And I know your ways are a lot better than my ways. So Lord, as I walk to this pulpit to open up your word, I pray that you'll stand beside me and help me to share these words with our church. Lord, we need this and I know it. And I know that there are somebody, there's people here and families, husband and wives, people that are going through difficult times this morning that are discouraged and frustrated because nothing seems to go right. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to see through David how you never leave us. You're always with us. And Lord, you are that shield and that buckler that sustains us when we cannot hold ourselves up. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to show you some valuable lessons that David learned through this. I, I, I want you to look at this from a guy that, that's writing this to say, hey, I, I want you guys to know what was on my heart. I want you to know what I was dealing with. I want you to know what I was facing. I want you to know how honest I was with God. Now, now notice David's prayer. He, he prays it kind of in two parts in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I, I want you to see, first of all, how he prayed. It was not a ceremonial prayer. It was not a prayer out of a book. It is not one that he did because he rehearsed it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I stopped the other day with my kids. We were getting ready to pray before they were going to bed. And I said, guys, I'm going to tell you what you're about to say. You know, I'm just being honest, because we all do. You might not admit it, but we all do this. We can, we can bow our heads and our, main, our, our brains be in 20 different places, and we can rattle off a prayer. You know why? Because we're good at praying. You guys know what I'm talking about. You, you know what you do when you pray to eat? You're thanking God. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. As you're opening your straw up, and you're glancing at your food, and you're smelling the aroma, your, your mind is not thanking God. Your, your mind is in 20 different places. You know what you're good at? You're good at rehearsing words when it comes to praying. I'm, I'm being honest. I've caught myself there. I told my kids, I said, you guys are about to pray. And you're going to say this, and you're going to say this, and you're going to say this. You know why? Because we, we just go into that mode of throwing out words. God is not impressed with us throwing out words. And you know, sometimes when you're praying and you're thanking God for your food, that, that you may as well just dug into it and shoved your face full of food because there was no praying going on. All you did was rehearse a bunch of words because you knew that that was your meal ticket to eat. You know what I'm talking about, and it's the absolute truth. We get good at being Christians and going through the motions of things. I, I, I believe David right here, he, he just got to the point where he said, I'm not rehearsing anything, I don't care. Have you ever just got to the point where you don't care what people think or how they're looking at you and all this, and, and you get mad and you're frustrated and you throw something, you drop it down, you sling this, you, you do whatever, and everybody's going, whoa, what's wrong with you? That's how David's praying right here. David is just saying, you know what, God, I don't care anymore. It's not going to be polished, it's not going to look good, it's not going to be rehearsed. You see, my God is not a statue. Did you guys know that? You don't have to go to a building and walk up to a statue and repeat words because that's not how my God is. God does not hang out in the altar in no church. God is not sitting there in some sort of book waiting for you to rehearse words in a prayer that somebody else wrote. My God is real. He's with me and he wants to know what's on my heart. And if you don't go to God that way, you've got that awkward relationship with God. So I just don't know what to say and I don't want to say it wrong. If you get around your best friend or that person that you're close with, your husband and wife, and say, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say it wrong. No, you don't. Actually, you get around your best friend. You say, well, man, I, I, it, it's amazing to get around women. I'm sorry. I know I'm not preaching on women today. 
And they can be laughing about the dumbest things. And I'm like, what's so funny about that? Oh, you wouldn't understand. You're not a woman. I guess you have to be a woman to laugh at these goofy things. And they just, things are funny and they'll, they'll just be going off and all this. You know what it is? They just have, their hearts are knit together and they can say something. They're all laughing about it because of a situation in the past or circumstances or an inside joke or whatever it is. They can talk openly because they have a relationship. You know why a lot of people don't talk openly with God? Because they don't have a relationship. It is that awkward, uh, dear God, uh, I, I'm going through a hard time. And it's that awkwardness, like, almost like you're walking and hanging out with somebody that you've just met 10 minutes ago. You're trying to stir up a conversation. You don't know the right words to say. That's not how it should be with us and our God. When you know your God, you're going to talk to him like your best friend, not like some awkward person that you just randomly ran into. I love in James in 2.23, you don't have to turn there, it's, it's David, it, or James is describing the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, it was imputed in him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. I want God to be my friend. I, I don't want him just to be my distant father or the one that I pray to. I want him to be my friend. Especially when I'm going through a hard time. Do you know who we run to when we're going through a hard time? We run to the ones we're the closest to. We run to the ones that we know are going to listen. We call the ones that we know are going to answer. We, we, we schedule to, to meet or sit down with the ones that know that they're going to accept the, the invitation to meet us at that place. And I tell you, maybe you're not doing that with God because you're not close enough to him. You've got that distance going on. There's not that close and there's not that intimacy that's going on. So let me ask you, what is your relationship with God? You say, I can't talk to him like that, then maybe something needs to change. Let me, let me show you not only how David prayed, but let me show you what David prayed. Psalms chapter 3, verse 1 again. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. You know what he, he said in this passage? He said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? You, you know what he was saying to God? God, this does not make sense to me. I don't understand. God, I, I, I'm your king. I, I represent your people. I, I am willing to lay down my life. I do all these things for me. God, I don't understand. See, David was praying so openly that he was honestly bearing his heart and soul before God. This is not, not just how he prayed, but I'm telling you what he prayed. He prayed the truthfulness of his heart. Have you ever done this? Have you ever just straight up told God that I don't get this? Have you ever told God that you're frustrated or you're tired or you're irritated? Because God knows, your wife knows, your kids know already. Why can't we tell God that? Here, this is a great spiritual lesson that we're being learning here. It's a great spiritual lesson, the, the, the fact that we're all human and David was human. David was a great man of God, but David was just as human as you and I. You know, I think about Daniel... The Bible says, and we could ask any kid, go up to him and say, how many times a day did Daniel pray? How many times? Somebody yell it out. You need to make sure you guys are right. He prayed three times a day. You know why he prayed three times a day? Because he was that wicked of a sinner, right? No, the Bible doesn't say that. You know why David prayed three times a day? Because he had that great of a relationship with God. The thing was, he knew that he could go to God and tell him anything. When he was going through his day, 
He knew, you know, this is facing, I have this, or I'm dealing with this. He was in a bad, bad situation. When you're in a bad situation in your job, you know what you need to do? You need to sit at your desk sometimes and just tell God about your day. Because you're about to explode and tell everybody else about your day. You need to stop and tell God about your day. Before you go home and explode on your your family, you need to stop and tell God about your day and and your car. And maybe it's not three times a day, and I know that was a formality that he had there where he went to his house and prayed there, and, and everything was against him to even do that. You know what I realized about my life? When God's my best friend, I find myself periodically stopping to tell him about what's going on. And I'm honest with God. God, I'm, I, I'm about to meet with so-and-so, and I don't know what to say to them. God, I'm just being honest. I don't know what to say to them. Lord, I know I'm going to get home and my wife is discouraged about this and that. I, I don't have the words to say. Lord, I'm about to walk into my house and I, and I know that this happened or I'm about to go on visitation. Or I'm about to show up. In my, you know, why don't you tell God everything like you do Facebook? I mean, we're willing to get on Facebook and go, well, I got the sniffles and, you know, and just like let everybody know. Okay, you got boogers in your nose. And, you know, just like nobody cares. There's some things that you don't have to post on Facebook, because I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you what nobody else is willing to tell you. We don't care if your boogers are built up in your nose. There's some things you don't have to share with everybody. But then in our prayer life, we'll go three days and not tell God anything. How out of whack are we when it comes to our relationship with God? David begins just to opened it up before God and told him what was on his heart. He was being honest. We can tell everybody all the time, I don't want to be no hypocrite. I don't want to be no hypocrite. I think God will look at us and say, you know, if our relationship was as real with the, uh, between us as it is with everybody else, and God say, you know, it's, honestly, our relationship is more of a hypocrite. You don't confess what's going on in your life because you try to cover it up. If you told God every sin that you knew was going on in your life, we'd be on our knees a whole lot longer. We, if we told God every frustration that was truly going on in our life, we'd spend a whole lot longer in prayer. All right, look at lesson number two, David's circumstance. Chapter three, verse two. Many there be which saved my soul. There is no help for him in God. You know what he was saying to God? He was being honest still. He said, Lord, everybody is talking. You know what they're saying, God? That there is no chance that I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to tell you, when you listen to people, you're going to get discouraged. Lord, everybody's telling me that there is no chance and there's no hope and there's no way and all this. And you know what happens when you listen to people? You start believing it yourself. You'll start listening. I'm telling you, I know the news is good and they're there to help us. But you listen to the news, you're going to get discouraged about finances. You're going to get discouraged about the government. You're going to get discouraged about the weather. You're going to get discouraged about everything. Honey, we'll never be able to retire with this, you know, going on. There, there's no way. There is no way that I'll ever be able to stop working. I'm going to work until the day I die. Why? Because you watch the news and some guy got on there and gave his opinion. You say, Tony, the economy's bad. Tony, with all the changes going on in government, it, I, I won't. There, there's no, going to be no social security, all this. My God has not changed who he is. See, with us being the children of God, you've got to understand that God already knows. God's looking down at David saying, so who all you been talking to? God, they're saying many, that there's many against me and everything's falling apart and there is no hope. Well, then why don't you tell me that? Because I'm greater than 10,000 of them and I'll show you that here in a minute. 
Get 10,000. David, go get 10,000 people to go up against you. And I'm still greater than all 10,000. That's how great of a God we have. David's circumstances were horrible. Everybody was out to get him. Everybody was going to kill him, including his own family. Everybody turned on him. There was nothing good going on in David's life. And I'll tell you, it is a natural reaction to get discouraged. You can be the greatest Christian in the world, and I'm telling you, there's going to be times that you do get discouraged. But here's what we got to look back at. It's David's hope. Here's lesson number three, David's hope. Psalm 3, verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. He said, Lord, you are a shield for me. This is, and I can't tell you, I'd love to get into the story and tell you when it just clicked. Have you ever been in there where something happened, maybe it was a message or a song or a friend or a verse or something clicked to make everything change to where you go, wait a minute, it's not as bad as I thought. Lord, God, I'm so sorry that I got my focus so off on these things when I should have been focusing on you. David said, you know what it is? Lord, you are my shield. I I, I think of uh, Captain America. I'm sorry, I just, no, it's not a very, here, they create this superhero, and the only thing the guy has going for him is the shield. He, he, he can fly, he can't do anything, he runs around in tights, but he has a shield, and he's all that because of this shield. I could be a superhero for if, so he gets the shield, and the whole thing is, his shield is able to knock off anything that comes his way. And all he has to do is hide behind his shield. And I thought, in this passage, back in the Bible days, that they would go out in war, and they would literally charge into the enemy. And the only thing that they had confidence is in the fact that they would hold out their shield and let everything hit the shield that was coming their way. David said, you know what, the Lord, that I look at it, I'm going to keep moving forward, and I'm just going to put you in front of everything. That, that's what David is saying. Lord, I know that the arrows are going to come, the negative is going to come, the army is going to come. I know that the enemy is going to come at me with everything that it's got. But Lord, I'm just going to decide to hide behind you. Everything You see, David's circumstances did not change. What he's doing is he's changing his perspective of the circumstance. God, I, I just realized that you can sustain me. God, I realize that you can, you can protect me. Lord, I'm going to hide behind you because you have never let me down. David said, thou art our shield. He also called God his glory. You realize that if you put everything into what you have or what people say about you, or what you think about yourself, your glory is going to be shot down. Man, I was, I was this in my company and I used to be this and I used to have this position in my last church and I was this and I was that. David could say, Lord, I was king. Lord, I had money. Lord, I had armies. I had people. Lord, now I'm nothing. Lord, I have nothing. Until this, when David says back and says, you know what, Lord, I've realized that you're my everything. Lord, you are my glory. It wasn't in all those things that I try to lift up to put my self-confidence in of, oh, look at what I've achieved. Look at what I have. God was literally saying, if I strip all that away, what am I to you then? David said back and he said, Lord, I have nothing and everybody's against me, but Lord, you are my glory. Let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing when God has to take everything away for you to realize that. 
And sometimes the situations that we're going through, God was saying, you're just not getting it, not getting it. God keeps pulling things away and saying, what am I now? What am I now? Am I still your everything? You, you think you're all that because you got that great job? What are you now? You think you're all that because you, you've never had health problems before? What are you now? Until we realize that, Lord God, you are my everything. And the Lord, if the only thing that I have in my life is you, then, then I'm going to be okay. But the last thing that he said that the Lord is, he said the Lord is the lifter up in my head. I love that description. Have, have you ever been around your kids and they're, they're mad and they're upset about something and they've got their head, they're all this mopey and they're, they're, they're pouting through life and they're all mad? It actually looks probably a lot like us as Christians every day when everything's going down and we're like this. You try to cheer that person up and tell them this and tell them that and say, hey, you know what we could do? Hey, let's go do this. You're trying to perk them up. Well, David was sitting there saying, hey, nothing's going to cheer me up, Lord. I'm all this. David finally realized, Lord, you are the lifter up of my head. Lord, it took you and you alone. I'm speaking to my heart to realize, God, I, I didn't need all that. God was his encouragement. God was his strength. God was what he needed to lift him up. And this, this brings us to the best part of all this, which is David's praise. Lesson number four is David's praise. In chapter three, verse four, look at this. David said, I cried in the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept, and I awakened. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek, upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. You know, you say, why, why, why is he able to do all this? Let me tell you, David's situation had not changed. David's circumstances did not change. What changed was his perspective of it. He was looking at it from a different angle, that it's going to be okay. And in the middle of this, he said, Lord, it doesn't matter if 10 thousand people surround me. God, I know that you're with me and that you're going to be somebody that I can hide behind. God, you are that rock I can cling to. I remember we, we had a go-kart growing up and it was a piece of garbage. It was something that somebody gave us. It never worked right. And my dad was just uh, uh, was able to rig anything to make it work. I, I don't know what talent he had to do that, but my dad was able to take it and make it work. And I remember we got up one day, and we were so excited about riding the go-kart in the backyard. And we went out there, pulled it, it started, and then slung the chain off as soon as we got started. And here we are. I mean, we're, we're young boys. We've got screwdrivers and hammers, and that's all the tools we need. You can fix anything with a screwdriver and a hammer. And I remember us working on it for hours. We were full of grease. We were frustrated. We were aggravated. And we were like, we're never, ever going to get this. My dad worked uh, construction, and he had this truck, and it was filled with equipment and scaffolds and ladders, and all that stuff would squeak on the truck. I mean, and we lived at the bottom of this hill at this dead-end drive, and, and Dave, I'm sure, remembers this. We always knew when Dad was coming home because you heard, could hear the squeak of that truck, like, like uh, literally like a mile away, is that my dad's coming through with his old beat-up truck. And I remember being down around that uh, that go-kart, we're working on it and all this, and I just remember lifting up my head and going, Dad's coming. They're like, how do you know? I could hear the squeaks coming, you know. could hear the squeaks coming. I remember all of us dropped all of our screwdrivers and hammers, all the fix-it tools, 
remember turning around and running up to the driveway to wait for dad. And dad knew as soon as he pulled in, us boys sitting there, you know, full of grease and all this. He say, well, what, what, what changed your attitude? What changed your, your, your perspective? It was the fact that I knew that my dad could fix it. I, I knew that my dad had the knowledge, the ability, the talents, the resources to fix what I could not do myself. At that point, it clicked on me. I don't have to sit on my knees. I don't have to cry. I don't have to be mad. I don't have to throw the screwdriver one more time. I can run to my dad, and he can help me get this fixed. When's the last time you just stopped crying, got off your knees, and ran to dad? When you just literally say, God, I'm so sorry that I I have been pouting, and I've been so upset. God, I, I knew that you could fix this, but I've been so consumed from looking at it from my point of view rather than God's point of view. This is what he did. He was praising God. Remember when I said about just being honest before God? It's not the ritualistic prayer. It's not repeating the words. It's not saying the same thing that you always say. It's it's coming from your heart. He, He said he cried in the Lord, and this is what he said in that verse, and he heard me. Everything is going to change in your life when you realize that God hears you every single time. He might not answer you the way that you're telling him to answer you, and that's what we do. God, I need this, and I need you to fix it this way, you know. Lord, I'm broke. I need a check in the mail. Lord, I, I need this. I need that. And God sent back saying, you know, maybe I've got another way. Maybe I've got something else that I'm doing, and it's not your way. God doesn't always answer our prayers our way. He's got better ways. So David is crying, and crying out to God and doing this. And he said, Lord, finally, I figured out that you hear me. He, 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 he said in verse 6, no, no, not verse 6, let's look at verse 1. Let me compare verse 1 to verse 6. He said, Lord, how are they that increase that trouble me? Many are they that, that rise up against me. Now read verse 6. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against round about me. He said, well, well, what happened? He didn't say, Lord, they're not coming anymore. And God didn't say the circumstance is not there. I'm telling you, you the, the perspective that you have on your problems, it's not that it's going to go away tomorrow. You're going to say, God, you're thinking, Lord, if you're going to get me out of this, Lord, then pay my mortgage off. Lord, if you're going to get out of me, give me a new job tomorrow, Lord, or fix this or fix that. And God says, wait, wait, wait a minute. David in this thing says, I'm not going to be afraid of the circumstances Lord, I just know that you're with me in the circumstance. When's the last time you acknowledged that? I'm serious. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for being with me in the circumstance? Because maybe God's going to leave you in that circumstance until you realize that he is with you in the circumstance. He trusted in the salvation of the Lord. Verse 7, he says, Arise, O Lord, and save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Literally just that, that knockout. For thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Comparing it, the teeth is what had the bite of them that was going after him. Saying, God, you're greater than that. But I want you to notice the last thing, and we're close, is David's rest and confidence. Look at this. In verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I wait for the Lord sustain me. Now, I, I want to stop for a minute and let you know. There are a lot of Christians that are sitting at church today, that are absolutely 100% worn out. When I say worn out, I'm saying to the point of, and I don't know who you are, but worn out to the say that I, do, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to mess with my marriage anymore. Honestly, Lord, I'm, I'm done. 
I'm surrounded with the problems. I'm frustrated with my kids. I, I can't take my job anymore, Lord. If I, I just can't do it anymore, God. I just can't. You know what the problem is that we have? It's the fact that we're not willing to realize that God wants us to rest in him. You know what rest is? Is when you cease from doing and give it to God. I'm not telling you to skip work tomorrow and say, hey, God told me to rest on you tomorrow. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the work, the problems, the fighting. You know, you know when you, everything you go into, you sit there and go, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to control this. I'm going to change him. I'm going I'm to make this what it should be. And you fight, fight, fight the defeat. David said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to lay down, Lord. I'm going to rest in you. And I'm going to say, Lord, you take care of it. I, I don't know what your situation is, but sometimes you just have to step back and say, honey, I'm not going to stress about this anymore. I'm just not. I'm not going to let it consume my thoughts anymore. Lord, I'm not going to sit there and jabber my jaws for 20 minutes when I get home from work every night. Lord, tonight I'm just going to rest in you. You know, your, your wife or husband would probably be blown away for you to have come home and, oh, you're not going to complain about work today? No, I just told God on the way home, I'm not doing this anymore. Lord, if you have another job, then show me the other job. And Lord, if you have something better for me than you show me, but until then, I'm just going to give it to you, and I'm going to do my very best because maybe you have a reason for me being there that I don't know about. Why do we fight God on everything? You know what David did literally in this situation? He crawled back in that cave, and he went to sleep. You can't go to sleep when you're consumed with situations like that unless you're willing to let go of the situation. And just say, God, I'm just going to lay it at the altar and I'm not going to stress anymore. Let me show you how he did that. Many are they that say, Lord, that I have no hope. You know what you do to rest in God? You quit listening to what everybody else is saying. You've got to quit looking at the stats and the statistics. You've got to quit listening to him and her. You've got to quit gathering around the water fountain at work and hearing them jabber their jaws about how bad it is and how worse it's going to get. You've got to get away from that because I'm telling you, when you consume your mind with that, it's only going to get worse. But here's what David did. He put all of his confidence in God. In verse 8, he said, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessings is upon thy people. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. It's not you. It's not the government. It's not Obamacare. It's not going to be your insurance. It's not going to be your retirement. It's not going to be any of those things. It's all up to God. Now, we can say that in church, but I'm telling you, it's time we live it on Monday, not just say amen to it on Sunday. Salvation is in the hands of God. Literally means that God has it worked out. We either believe it or we don't. God either is in control or he's not. He's either sovereign or he's not. We must step back and understand that my God has everything under control. He never makes mistakes. The Bible says that there, he's got the hairs on our head counted. For, for some of us, that's easier for God. But he's got every hair counted and numbered out. He's got Gabriel up there just counting down on my head. Everything is worked out. God has it all worked out. David, he said, you're my salvation, Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. You know what the blessing is? The blessing, even in the midst of that, is the goodness of God. You realize that God pours out his favor upon us. God takes you 
in the middle of that situation, and I don't know why God keeps bringing me back to this illustration. I had no objective of doing that. But let me take you back to your job. You're sitting there and you're trying to be faithful and you're hearing all of this. You're discouraged. You're down and out. You just say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. You're yapping the ear off of everybody around you. You come home. You chew off the ear of your wife or your spouse or whoever it is. And you're just, ah, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I hate going to work, but I can't afford not to. I'm just stuck. Have you ever thought that maybe be that light in the middle of that? And maybe to see God bless you in the middle of that situation. I'm saying God bless you. To, to pour out favors, the blessings of God. Thy hand is upon me. To where God says, you know what? There's somebody that's at your job that watches you every day and you don't even know about it. I'm not taking you out because that person needs you. You realize that in that job right there, that I have another job, but I need the credentials from this job to set you up from the job. I need you there. And when we're faithful to God and we step back and say, Lord... It's all yours. Lord, my life is yours. My job is yours. Lord, I, I'm going to rest in your protection and your goodness and your grace. Lord, I'm just going to say, Lord, my life belongs to you and I'm going to act like it too. Changes everything. Our perspective on some aspects of life needs to change. Because we're making ourselves miserable. We're making our families miserable. And we're not being effective for God one bit. And in the middle of this, when David had nothing in the world going for him. You know, when usually we change our perspective is when we see something positive come. And I was like, oh, I got a check. Woohoo! I'm happy now. I said, I, I, I didn't need you to have to wait for a check to change that. I needed you just to look at me. 